Hello and welcome to today's Cattlecast. With the ever-changing TB rules, I wanted to speak to fellow board members Sarah Tomlinson and Bridget Taylor about their recent work on the BCVA TB policy that's now available on our new website, the BCVA TB training and the Czechs TB accreditation. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and now over to you, Sarah. Um, my name is Sarah Tomlinson. I am a farm vet in Derbyshire. Um, I was graduated 20 years this summer and over 20 years of my career in Derbyshire, I've seen TB get progressively worse. When I first started, we had four yearly testing parishes. We're now on six monthly testing with wide rollout of gamma. And so I, as a vet, I just wanted to know more about TB as an infectious disease and what I could advise farmers on farm and what farmers could do for themselves to reduce their risk all too often, I feel TB is just something that vets and farmers feel that the government control. And, you know, as soon as we've, we've done the test, we walk away from it. Um, so, yeah, I've spent the last few years sort of just getting to know more about TB. I was on the TB Eradication Advisory Group for England, which was a government stakeholder advisory group. That's now become the Bovine TB Partnership, which I am on. I'm also part of the NFU TB Advisory Group. TB has become quite a major part of my life. And then Bridget, how have you got so involved with TB as well? Well, not entirely dissimilar to Sarah, actually, because but I, I've been in Cheshire for 32 years. Like Sarah, the first part of my career, I didn't see any reactors. I'd been in this practice for, I think, 12 years before I saw reactors. And, and then the significant sort of d- date was post-2001 when we'd had testing suspended because of foot and mouth. And, you know, then, then it all completely sort of mushroomed after that here. Um, and really uh, trying to st- dispel that feeling of, of helplessness that, you know, we haven't got any influence over it as vets in practice, that our farmers can't do anything. Obviously, with the um, exception of badger culling and so on, we've, we've had um, much more farmer feeling they, they're able to take some control of the situation, but it can't be regarded as the panacea to all evils. And I'm very keen to promote the prevention of TB uh, getting onto farms through exposure from other cattle and from from wildlife rather than just... Because obviously that, that tool is going to be consideration and... Um, whilst we have vaccination and so on on the horizon, in the meantime, I think all vets in practice and all farmers would like to do as much as they can to try and prevent TB coming onto their farms without such sort of radical measures. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it has hit the, the news that, you know, culling will be coming to an end and what's the next step. And I think we need to be aware of that. And a lot of farmers are quite nervous about that already. Definitely. Um, I think the, the feeling was that um, farmers had done their bit very much with um, increasing testing frequency, particularly following the introduction of edge areas and so on, and um, and that it was time for the government to, to allow farmers to, to get some help through culling. But that is never going to be the complete solution. And really, it's the, the ability for farmers and vets to work together and think about TV as they would about BVD or Yonis and so on, and, and, and make a plan together that will help people to sort of take actions that, that are going to be good for, for prevention of TB and other diseases on the farm, but they're not expensive actions. It's it getting involved and look, really looking at some very basic biosecurity issues. Yeah, I think that whole idea of getting to work more as a team together is is quite important. I think it's something we're strong on um, as cattle vets. You know, that relationship with the farmer is really, really key to a lot of the things we do, particularly, as you said, um, other infectious diseases, uh, but equally from productivity and other things. So TB shouldn't be any different. Um, It's interesting that BCVA are becoming sort of part of the team moving this 
forward. Sarah, I wonder whether you would like to answer why you think that is and what role BCVA can play in this position. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we've had the few consultations just recently on bovine TB um, that the government have put out and BCVA has put in very good responses representing our views. Um, We were very clear that we acknowledged that badger culling had to come to an end and we embraced, you know, the development of a DIVA test to enable BCG vaccination to be used and asking for more evidence on badger vaccination and reducing cattle TB. Um, We were very, very clear, though, that we thought this was too soon to remove culling from the table. And one of the biggest things is that lack of engagement with farmers for everything else, for the biosecurity stuff, which to me is going to be the fine tuning to eradicating TB. Yes, we've got to manage wildlife disease. Yes, we've got to manage the cattle to cattle transmission. But linking both of those together is the biosecurity, which is what checks entry level, the full checks TB, um, the TB advisory service, Camorth in Wales is all about And sort of through the work I have done through the TB advisory service, there are a lot of farmers out there that TB hasn't happened to them yet. And they don't know the very basics about TB. And if we're honest, there's probably quite a lot of vets as well that don't deal with TB every day. So upskilling everybody to understand that there are risk pathways that we can control for TB, even eliminate in some cases that are within farmers and vets control. I mean, and for me, TB underpins all the animal health and welfare and productivity and efficiencies on farm. Most of my farmers here in Derbyshire, and I'm sure in the high risk and edge areas and even quite a few of the low risk areas, every business decision, every management decision is made with TB in mind. You know, my test is coming up. Where are the animals going to be? What breeding do I need in case I go down with TB? What do I do with my calves? Because we've got the calf strategies coming through um, with non-euthanasia of non-dairy calves. And we've got the health pathway coming through, which is all about efficiency, productivity, eliminating infection, endemic disease. And TB underpins all that. You know, if you lose five peak lactation dairy cows, you maybe are going to keep that Yoni's cow that should go. You're going to keep that lame cow that should go. You might not send your culls because you've just gone clear of TB. So you wait till your next six month test to send them the week before because you're frightened you'll get a slaughterhouse reactor. So all of TB to me underpins farm animal farming practice. So we've got to understand it. We've got to acknowledge it. We've got to deal with it every day, not just when we're testing. So to me, this checks entry level tool is a really powerful tool for vets to be able to sit down with farmers and discuss it. Yeah, I think as a vet, just, you know, driving backwards and forwards, doing the odd bit of TV testing, all the, you know, the few big tests that um, I currently do, I think it's quite easy to push it to a side and forget that actually the amount of headspace that TB takes up in most farmers' general day-to-day lives, those decisions, um, which I think is something we need to yeah, work on with that relationship and just bringing it back to being you know, a key part of our normal diseases discussion, not just, oh, well, yeah, I'll quickly do those pre-movements at the end of a session next week, kind of a, oh, yeah, that's my TV knowledge done. And there are some new things coming in with um, TV, I guess, with the new tests available and realising sort of, TV's role within the bigger picture, but we're both with badgers in general, ecology and wildlife as well. Yeah, so we are at quite an exciting point, I think, in TB control. I mean, we had the 25-year strategy that was announced. Again, that was another thing that sort of engaged me in, in TB because this was the first time actually 
government seemed to have a plan to control TB and we had an aim to eradicate by 2038. And part of that plan is this evolving strategy. So embracing the novel testing. So we've got Enflex, um, we've got IDEX that DEFRA already used. We've got the gamma um, test, all do slightly different things. And again, as vets, we need to understand the positive parts of the tests and the limitations of some of those tests and where they fit into farm management just like we do with Yonis, BVD, you know, we pick certain tests, certain age groups to test. It tells us, you know, about the disease on farm. We then do further tests to it, you know, find out the extent of the disease. And TB, we need to see TB just like that. So in the training, we do come part of the checks entry level. They are all based on science and evidence. So we know that TB can survive in water in certain environmental conditions for up to 60 days so if you do have infected badgers tb will be in their spit if they're sharing a water trough potentially there's a source of infection for all those cattle in that paddock for up to 60 days so we talk about how we can manage those risks raising water troughs so badgers can't enter them if you can't do that because you've got dexters or you co-graze with sheep, just emptying them when they're not in use to break the habit. We know that TB can live for up to six months in stored slurry. So we talk about different application methods, the risk factors associated with slurry. There isn't any science and evidence to show that if you do all these things, you won't get TB. You know, we don't have that. And to be fair, you know, with a cattle to cattle transmission and direct badger transmission, it's hard to pinpoint which bits do have the biggest factors but common sense says if you can stop those badgers drinking out of your water trough you will reduce your tb risk if you can stop nose-to-nose contact with your neighboring herd that has tb you will eliminate that risk pathway so actually every little thing adds up it's going and looking at farms and thinking what are the biggest wins if you know you've got badger activity coming into the yard and they're going into your feed stores shut the doors at night you know, none of this is rocket science and none of it should be expensive. That was the other major part of the checks entry level, that this was meant to be achievable by the majority and no regrets biosecurity. So our definition of no regrets was it wasn't a large financial investment and it didn't take a huge amount of time. If through geography, through herd history, you still had a TB breakdown, you wouldn't regret doing some of those things. But long term, alongside culling, badger vaccination, managing your own herd TB risk, these things should add up long-term to help reduce risk. And for those farms in the low-risk area, actually buying TB in, catching it from a neighbour, are your two biggest risk pathways. So if you can eliminate those, you know, we will stop TB getting into the low-risk area and stop it getting into the wildlife because once it's in the wildlife, you know, we all know we're in those high-risk areas that once it's in the wildlife, it does become a lot harder to manage. From the BCVA's um, point of view of getting involved, it was quite interesting in our report um, and reply to the Godfrey report. I wondered if we could just discuss a sort of highlighted version um, of that, really. BCVA, we are about to publish our TB policy, which is, I guess, our response to the government response to the Godfrey Review, saying what BCVA would like the government to prioritise, where we feel our role is, which obviously is, as a private vet, engaging as the trusted advisor with farmers, and also just allowing us to do more, you know, access to information, access to the disease 
um, report forms that we know that are available and being able to be part of the disease eradication process for that farm. You know, all too often we do the test, we go, yay, you've passed or mm, you've failed and we walk away. We're just a testing technician. We aren't, you know, we, we expect APHA to then do the rest of the work. And unfortunately, APHA haven't got the resources, especially in the high risk area, to visit every farm and do that. So giving some of that power back to the private vet to be involved in that, because we're doing it every day for every other disease with Yonis, BVD. Where's it come from? What do we do about it? How do we get rid of it? They're the skills that actually farm vets, BCVA members have got and are really good at. Yeah, so that's nice to see that some of the skills are already there, but that does bring us on to training and trying to upskill ourselves more with the TB sort of details, I guess it would be, which uh, is where I'd like to bring in Bridget to discuss the, the new training on offer and how vets in practice can get involved in that. Thanks, Kat. Yes, um, it's quite hard to strike a balance. We were asked by uh, Czechs to compile a training programme and, and really what our aim was was to make sure that all vets right across the UK, um, whether they deal with TB on a daily basis, a weekly basis or sometimes in, in some areas it's seasonal and people only test in, and maybe in the winter and also, you know, some vets don't, don't see um uh, reactors whereas others see them on a daily basis so wherever you are in the uk um we wanted to make this training interesting and applicable and it, we didn't want it to come across as being patronizing so hopefully there is something to everyone to gain from joining this program it's uh, the training program it takes about between three and four hours to complete um and there's some references to further reading and um, links to other websites and, and youtube videos and so on so but that's the basic timing and it can be done in you know chunks at a time so that there are six modules but what we've really tried to do is bring in some expertise from different areas so we've got a big section on farmer engagement and behavior um, from some you know people who are very well recognized in this field who've been working with a lot of different stakeholders to, to help people to work out how to engage farmers in disease control whether it's tb or anything else that's Gareth Entercott and Ruth Little who are both you know recognized in this field um, and we've also got a, a big section the, the biggest section of, in the program is um, two modules in fact um, firstly one on badger ecology and, and other wildlife cattle may come up against as well and then the second on, on how to reduce the exposure the contacts between badger feces urine live badgers and the, and cattle and both of these um, presentations are really practical and really educate us on, on topics that I'm sure none of us learned much about at vet school or have really been told about ever since unless you've happened to be in one of Sarah's excellent TB advisory service courses. Uh, so it's kind of bringing in some different topics and likewise there's a short presentation on slurry management which again is an area where I know if you're anything like me you feel well out of your depth very soon after asking a question what he does with his slurry and then you don't quite understand the answers or you can't kind of you know provide an educated comment as to, as to the pros and cons the relative pros and cons of different methods of slurry distribution um, in terms of disease risk and that of course is useful for Yoni's discussions as well as TB. No, we all hate being in that position of knowing we should start the conversation and then panicking that we don't know the next step. Whereas I think part of it is hopefully upskilling so we can and actually sometimes just having the confidence of I'm not sure, but I'll look into it and get back to you as well, because this is new for everyone. And I think just being aware that maybe when you get pulled into some of these odd conversations, that might be a good get out. But hopefully with this training, it'll definitely give us more of the confidence to start the conversation at the beginning. 
That's right. And in a similar vein, I mean, in terms of, you know, what you can recommend to people, um, there's um, TB Hub website is absolutely brilliant and really provides the answers to the questions you might have in TB uh, specific, especially if you're in in England and Wales. Um, It's a little bit harder to track down some of the stuff about Scotland. Um, Obviously, Northern Ireland has a different veterinary governance, but um, again, biosecurity just applies countrywide, of course, um, or uh, multiple nationwide. Well, one of the particular areas I've always found quite challenging is discussing with farmers what options they've got uh, if they've got a breakdown in terms of um, what they can do with their cars, for example. Even better, if you can have a conversation before someone has a breakdown so that they understand what restrictions might happen to them and what arrangements they can make in advance. So just in case, on the day they have a reactor disclosed for the first time, they're not completely devastated by, you know, what do I do with all my calves? I buy stores, what on earth? You know, where's my business model going now? And I think vets, uh, enhancing vets' confidence in terms of understanding what the options are for different businesses and whether you're in the low risk area or the edge or the high risk area or the high or low or intermediate areas of, of Wales or, or you're in Scotland which of course is officially TB free but we know of course there are problems everywhere knowing that and understanding what options your clients might have being sort of at least a step ahead in that area I think is, is probably a lot of people will find quite helpful I've certainly whilst um, putting some of that part of the programme together uh, found it extremely enlightening for myself so so uh, uh, in terms of understanding the intricacies of who can run an isolation unit and who can run an AFU and a proof finishing unit and where those can be, um, I've realised even the last few weeks the conversations about those sort of things have become easier because you're not just listening to a load of acronyms and thinking, nodding, pretending you know what's going on. Now, I think we're all guilty of sort of putting TV on the back burner and then only really having the discussions when, we, when we're in that hideous emotional state of we've just shut them down we want to get off farm as quickly as possible because it's not pleasant. The farmers, you know, in a massive dilemma about lots of things and we're trying to then have sensible discussions moving forward and it's not really the right place for any of us. But unfortunately, the whole thing of, oh, well, we're clear at the moment, so we'll just ignore it, um, isn't going to continue much. Like, So we're in quite a high-risk area in Wiltshire and Gloucestershire and we're definitely in the minority if you're free anyway. So I guess it's less... Um, of a problem for us because most people are down or will be down or have been down whereas um, I think that's really important for people in lower risk areas as well to think about it and to get ahead of the game. And that, that was why within the training we wanted that sort of social science behaviour aspect to it because you're right trying to engage those farmers that they don't even want to entertain the idea of TB because they've never had it or they've gone clear for two years and they've they have put it on the back burner how do we engage those but also those guys that have suffered with tb for quite a few years and can't see a way out they can't see that later that light at the end of the tunnel so we need to engage those guys as well because part of the biosecurity is getting them out of that hole as well and i think you're right as vets tb is such an emotional topic because it has such massive financial um, impacts on the farm business. I think as vets, we avoid that conversation maybe a little bit because we do go, we know we've shut them down or we might shut them down. So let's avoid that conversation. Whereas actually, I think we're in a really unique, privileged position that we are that trusted advisor. We are friends with a lot of our farmers. You know, there's not many um, people that are friends, know their finances, know their business models that we can have those honest conversations and make them sit down and and make a plan, like Bridget said, be aware of what their options are to manage that business through a breakdown. And that was why within the entry level, 
we've not just got risk factors for biosecurity. One of the sections is to have a TB test failure contingency plan. So that is one of the conversations that the entry level will make you have with your client you know what would you do with all those baby calves that you normally send off prior to 42 days what would you do with that group of weaned um suckler calves that you sell once a year to pay your rent you know those those quite big tough questions but actually the farmers that i have had those conversations with it has massively reduced the stress and anxiety around testing because even if they do have a breakdown you know at least they have a plan um, so I think, you know, I think that's a major part of what we have achieved with the entry level and the training is hopefully to empower vets and farmers to be able to sit down and have that conversation. Yeah, that's nice you brought us on to the checks entry level and a bit more about that. Could um, one of you go through sort of how as vets we get involved with doing that and what are the pluses and minuses involved with doing it? So the, the whole basis of the scheme is the farmer vet relationship. So this is ultimately a piece of paper or a download on your tablet that you can take on farm and and it can structure the conversation there are six risk factors that hopefully cover all aspects of tb risk coming onto farm so number one is minimizing the risk from purchased cattle we know the current skin test has a relatively reduced sensitivity um, approximately one in five reactors are missed and a lot of farmers still don't see that they they trust the test when they get a clear pre-movement test and they believe those animals coming onto the farm are disease free so this will hopefully engage in that conversation there are different options for each farm business to choose and hopefully there is an appropriate option for each farm business so it could be that you're closed herd, you never buy cattle in that is that risk eliminated that's one box ticked but sometimes you might buy cattle in. We know there are businesses that rely on buying cattle in regularly. So we've got options within there on how to manage that risk better using um, the website IBTB, for example, to see when a herd's last breakdown was. So we can assess that risk and how that fits into the business. The section two is ensuring um, risk from other cattle and other cattle holdings is minimised. It could be, again, that you've got no contiguous grazing, risk eliminated. It could be that you're already in one of the checks schemes and you have a permanent three metre gap, That's another box ticked. Or it could be that you've got a large hedge or wall. It could be you choose not to graze when other cattle are in fields next to yours. But again, this is hopefully have a conversation with your vet that's done the back the training, that understands the risk and explain that to the farmer and choose the appropriate option. Risk factor three is reducing the risk from your own cattle. So um, the government introduced a policy where um, even cleared IRs, so they pass that second short interval test, can't be traded in the high risk and edge area. We wanted to take that a little bit further and actually have an exit strategy for those animals out the herd. So it could be that as soon as they pass that clearing test, the animal leaves. There is an option to finish a lactation, rear a calf, or to send to an approved finishing unit. The fourth one is about slurry and managing the risk from slurry and muck. So they do not share dirty equipment, for example, or potentially just ensuring that contractors are clean when they come on. Risk factor five is the badger, the big one, the sort of badger risk. And again, there's various options within that. And then the last one is that contingency plan. Was there anything more on the training stuff you wanted to add in? 
We've made it a very um, a reasonable sort of master training to similar courses for Yonis and BVD. BCVA members pay a £10 fee um, when they register and non-members pay a £55 fee. So effectively, you know, it becomes a case that um, once you're a BCBA member, or effectively you almost save your membership fee if you do all three, all three courses. Um, appreciate that's not likely to happen to one person in one year, but it might, it might, it might occasionally. Um, one of the things I wanted to say about the training as well was Sarah has talked a lot about the, that, you know, that bond between farmer and vet and their long-term relationships. But another aspiration for the training is to, is to help all vets who deal with TB on farm to have a little bit more input and, and to have things to talk about as well when they're testing. And obviously you're concentrating hard on the test, but you always have a chance to chat to farmers. And we, we all, um, you know, a lot of very newly qualified vets, a lot of bespoke, um, TB testing vets are, you know, looking for the opportunity to ha- start developing those longer-term relationships with farmers, and you know, not feel that they're just being sent to a farm to do a job. That they are actually having a role in, in disease control. So, I think it's important to emphasise that you know this training is accessible to all vets, uh, not you know the bosses in the practice. And it's also we really do want to encourage TB testing vets to take it up because we feel it gives them a chance to to then have the topics to discuss on farm and and. Have hopefully you know be able to follow up a little bit on just a role of disclosing reactors or, or declaring clear tests that they can get involved in, in, in infection control and I know our practice employs uh, you know a great team of TB testing vets and they are very frustrated at the fact that they spend their whole careers it feels to them going and finding disease and then not doing anything to control it and they they really you know are keen to have more input on disease prevention um, and helping to reduce the length of breakdowns if there is one on farm so you know we're emphasizing it's courses for all and you know it'd be very few well very few cattle vets who won't find some sections of it useful in in their day-to-day lives as quite outside tb as well as dealing with tb that's really interesting. Having CPD on the area of work, which you do do sort of day to day, but often, unfortunately, aren't really in depth thinking about it. You sort of once you've tested a few hundred thousand, probably you sort of go on to automatic pilot a bit and getting that bit of fresh air to actually have different conversations or, or see it a bit differently is always a nice opportunity to have, which hopefully this training will give us. I think one of the important things to point out is that, you know, in the high risk area, under 50% of units in the high risk area have actually experienced TB. So, you know, there are farms in the high risk areas and the edge areas who aren't getting TB. So they're obviously doing something right. And that's been happening well before the era of badger culling. So so we've got, you know, there are, there are obviously people who are doing the right thing. They're not just being lucky. Um, and we can learn, you know, we can learn from those farmers. And, and, you know, as we always do, pick up a hint at one farm and pass it on at the next without necessarily disclosing your source. You know, it's, we all learn from farmers and then we can pass that, you know, what works on to other farmers. And we should consider that um, you know just because a farm's in the HRA it's dangerous um, farmer buying from that, that area needs to understand that you know not all Devon not all Cheshire not all Gloucestershire cows are, are dangerous because there are plenty of people who don't have that disease on their farm yeah no um, definitely I think we always focus on the few farms that unfortunately we're going to very regularly and forget the ones that are 
you know, not just the lucky ones that are doing the right things to be still on annual testing um, in my part of the world. And um, it's, it's trying to get those good habits, um, you know, the whole no regrets biosecurity to get those to be commonplace on all farms and to get those good habits of, say, turning the water troughs off or raising them to just be seen as part of the norm of, you know, day to day work, not, oh, I'm having to do that specifically for TB. You know, this is across the board benefits to all. I guess what's quite important is to anybody that has done any TB checks accreditation scheme for existing clients as from the 1st of August this year, the entry level will become a compulsory part of that. So sort of almost replacing the biosecurity part of the full checks TB. So after the 1st of August, in order to do the full checks accreditation visit, the vet will have to have completed the BAPDA training. And this was quite important when we were developing the entry level because we wanted it to be very much entry level. So a stepping stone, the first step into TB control on farm. So from my personal point of view, I see farmers and vets engaging in the entry level. And then potentially if they want a more detailed bespoke visit, they've got Camorth in Wales or the TB advisory service in England. And then hopefully quite a lot of farmers will realise that actually the checks full TB accreditation isn't just for pedigree herds to have something to help sell their pedigree cattle with. It is something a commercial herd could attain and would be useful for disease eradication long term. So the checks entry level will become part of the full checks as of the 1st of August. One useful thing to follow on from there might be some of the frequently asked questions from the the checks side, because I'm sure that's something that some others of our members will be thinking along the same line. So I wondered if we could go through some of those and sort of get ahead of the game with some of people's questions that they might be having in their their heads as you're listening to the podcast. Well, one question I've had today is, has, has been about what, what are the carrots and what are the sticks for joining the entry-level membership scheme? As such, there are no tangible carrots or sticks yet. If a farmer is uh, accredited at level one in the Czechs TB accreditation, and if they're in the high-risk area, they have the concession of not having to test every six months they can go to annual testing this does not apply to this entry-level membership scheme so that's that's one area where maybe has been a little bit of a confusion in terms of you know, why why would a farmer sign up for this um it's really about the opportunity to consider tb as we've just said as another infectious disease and think about plan to try and to reduce risk and it's it isn't the main thing we're looking at really is reduce disease basically by taking action on these risks so defra um haven't um made any comments or commitments to reward or penalise farmers who do or don't take this up, this opportunity. It's Their their aim is very much uh, tied in with their response to the Godfrey Report, which is to enhance um, private vet and farmer commitments to disease reduction through encouraging rather than threatening, if you like. So um, it's part of a, a holistic response, really. And as such, it's very, it's very hard to find any disadvantages with it, really, because you know we all want to reduce disease. Yeah, that's always good to dispel some of those myths and rumours that have been going around. Uh, Were there any other of the frequently asked questions that you think would be useful for some of our listeners? How do we find them up? So um, either as a vet or as the farmer, the Czechs website will have a list of the health scheme providers that are offering the Czechs entry level. 
So if a farmer hears about it or, you know, through the vets or through farmer publications, if they visit the site, they might already be a member with a health scheme provider. They then go online, register their interest. They get sent the entry level form, which is basically the certificate at the end of it. It's just a form with the tick boxes on it. It's signed by the vet, signed by the farmer. And then that becomes your proof of completion. If farmers and vets are already use one particular health scheme provider then kind of they should be their first port of call if they're already a member of other health schemes um and then us as a vet obviously arranges a visit and some time to go and go discuss what the farmer has to complete the checks entry level i hope there will be almost a slow drip so if you're there doing some scanning cows you might mention that there's this new entry level if you're going to do a red tractor health plan you know tb is now part of that that you have to have some plan or have discussed it so this is an opportunity to do that and so it could be bolted on to another visit so it's just a small amount of time that you're charging for as opposed to a specific visit where the farmer would have to fork out for the whole visit and the time so actually could be a bigger bill I see it very much as being part of that everyday herd health planning that we do on farm with our farmers and then the final document is quite a simple document to fill in just ticking those boxes signing it and emailing it back to the health schemes for so they've got a copy we keep a copy the farmer gets a copy so we're hoping dead straightforward really simple the big important bit is the conversation that we're having about TB as an infectious disease no, that was great on how, how different routes of getting into this, whether it's the farmers finding it because there is a lot more coming out in the farmer press about it, or equally if vets want to, say, do newsletters showing some of the different options now available, or if it is just that chat at the end of a session when you're washing off. There's, there's so many opportunities to get into this. And as Sarah hinted at there, whether you add it onto a different visit or you specifically plan a visit for that, depending on the, the farm's wants, I guess, is quite a user-friendly way of getting into this. Thank you for that discussion, Sarah and Bridget. Hopefully the members listening now feel inspired to get involved and know a bit more about the background of why BCVA has got involved with this procedure. But please contact us if you have any other questions or comments. Thank you and hope you listen again soon.